Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to a new episode of The Daily Scoop. Before we get started with today's episode featuring an interview with former Congressman Will Hurd, I wanted to deliver a quick disclaimer that the interview was recorded prior to the news Monday that Hurd dropped out of the running to be the Republican nominee for the 2024 presidential election. Despite that, the interview is chock full of great commentary from Hurd on why tech is so vital to our nation and should be a focus during the upcoming election cycle, so we think it's still of utmost value to you, the listener. So without further ado, here's the new episode. I hope you enjoy. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, Congress's former top advocate for tech discusses his run for president. And more from Will Hurd on why the Republican Party must focus on what he sees as a series of generational tech threats. It's Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The world's fastest supercomputers housed at Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee have faced a variety of threats on a daily basis. But the biggest one it's been faced with lately? Raccoons and possums. The Frontier Supercomputer, which became the fastest supercomputer in the world last year, along with fellow Supercomputer Summit, are a critical part of the Department of Energy's research agenda and play a critical role in helping scientists across the world build advanced models and process large data sets. But several times now, animals like raccoons have gotten into power lines or substations biting them and creating a dip in voltage that can take the computers offline, the lab's director of science told FedScoop. The most recent outage came in August, but luckily only a few nodes went offline due to redundancies built into the computer's operations. The Department of Veterans Affairs announced a pledge with more than a dozen healthcare systems last week to share data in an effort to improve veterans' care in or outside the VA system. The pledge, which was signed by 13 healthcare systems across the country, outlines three goals to accurately identify veterans, connect them with the VA and community resources, and coordinate care responsibly and reliably. The pledge could help facilitate a smooth exchange of information and save veterans money by seeking care outside of the VA's medical network. And in a new interview with FedScoop, Energy CIO Ann Duncan detailed how as more emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and 5G come online, it's creating complexity for the department's IT management. On top of that, the surge of internet-connected devices and home energy systems like smart meters is changing the cybersecurity needs of the grid, and the arrival of new clean energy sources is having an impact too, as new energy technologies like hydropower, wind power, solar power, nuclear power, and geothermal power are brought into the mix, Duncan said. Quote, there's complexity that is increased dramatically by not only the number of resources on the grid, but also by the fact that these resources are consistently inconsistent. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. As a multi-term member of Congress, Will Hurd made a name for himself in the federal technology space as one of the largest advocates for agency cybersecurity and technology modernization. The former CIA operations officer helped pen legislation that created the Technology Modernization Fund and regularly conducted oversight hearings around the Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, better known as FATARA. Now, Hurd, a Republican, is running for president. Heard recently spoke with my colleague Elias Grohl about his campaign, why he's running, and why he wants to convince his party to focus on what he sees as a series of generational tech threats. 
I'm joined today by Will Hurd, the former congressman from Texas and a candidate for the Republican presidential nomination. Before he arrived on Capitol Hill, where he was an influential voice on cybersecurity issues, Congressman Hurd served as a CIA operations officer. And he has said it was the experience of briefing members of Congress while serving in the agency that convinced him to run for office. Unaware of the basic facts of the war on terror, the visiting delegations that he briefed convinced Hurd that he could do a better job of it himself. Once in Congress, he staked out a defiantly moderate position in Washington, frequently clashing with President Donald Trump and helping to pass a series of technology modernization bills. Congressman Will Hurd, welcome to Safe Mode. Hey, thank you. I like that. Defiantly moderate. I'm going to start. I'm going to start using that. Please uh, just uh, make sure to give me credit. There we go. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So we're speaking on the Tuesday ahead of Wednesday's presidential Republican debate or ahead of Wednesday's Republican presidential debate, uh, which I'm sorry to say you haven't qualified to be on the stage for. Um, Donald Trump continues to lead in the polls and continues to refuse to participate in the debates for a long shot candidate as yourself. And I hope you don't mind me calling you that. What are you trying to achieve by staying in the race at this point? Well, well, look, we were working hard uh, up to last night. You know, what was shocking is the lack of polls that that came out over the last, you know, four or five days. Um, we expected many others and the RNC was not very clear on what the polling was going to be. Uh, my, I, I've always said that we were going to take one step at a time. Um, as long as we have the resources to continue, um, we'll, we'll continue. And part of this is about bringing a message to um, that defiantly moderate message. Right? The Republican Party needs someone who's not afraid of Donald Trump, but is also going to articulate um, the issues of the future and have some experience in that, whether it's border security, where I have more time on the border than everybody in this race combined to include Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, to artificial intelligence, which is going to upend every single industry. Um, you know, I have more experience in, in that topic than, again, all of these other candidates combined. And so um, the, the question is not about whether the, the message is resonating. The question is about do I have the resources to increase my microphone or megaphone? OK, so a few days after you retired from Congress, uh, Trump loyalists stormed the Capitol mm-hmm. and watching the events of January 6th, you've written felt like a sequel to, to 9-11. And to make sure that something like January 6th doesn't happen again, you've written, and I quote, the Republican Party must drive out those who continue to push misinformation, disinformation, and subscribe to crackpot theories like QAnon. I think the framing around misinformation and disinformation here is interesting. It's one that the Republican Party uh, has a lot of problems with, right? And so I'm curious what in your mind needs to be done to, to combat what you describe as this problem of misinformation. Well, it starts with elected officials who know better not pro- propagating these things, <clears throat> right? The, you know, o- oftentimes I say that you know my issue is not with the the true believers that actually think this stuff is true; it's with the people that know it's not true and and support it. And let's take January six as an example. I, I think the number like that did not certify the election after. The um, after the events of January 6th, um, it was like it was like 130, maybe it was 150. It was it was a large number. And all of those obviously were, were Republicans. And I can tell you of those over 100 people, probably only 20 actually believed that there was some kind of, you know, problem with the, the security of the election. The rest were just going along. 
in order to um, in order to prevent having to, this issue come up in, in the primary debate. Right. So so that it, it starts with that. Right. Um, you know, the misinformation and disinformation from our adversaries abroad is a very different issue than, um, you know, straight up lies and craziness uh, from a domestic audience. Right. You know, a lying is not against the law. Um, and it's and it's and a lot of times lying is protected speech. Um, but when it comes to our adversaries, we know how to deal with that um, because we understand and know the, the mechanisms or the infrastructure that our adversaries are using in order to propagate those messages. So being able to deal with that issue um, is a little bit easier. But now what we're seeing, it's not. um you know, you're seeing elected officials and 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 uh, media personalities literally use the talking points from the Kremlin. And so so it's like, you know, how do you how do you fight that other than educating people about, you know, issues and, and what's really what's really going on? I mean, many members of your party frame the, the misinformation problem around one of the platforms having too much power to moderate to to, to censor speech, essentially. Right. And the approach of the Biden administration has been to go to these platforms, try to inform them about what they consider to be misinformation on the platforms. There's a legal battle playing out right now about whether they have the right to carry out those types of of communications. What do you think about the relationship between the government and the platforms in trying to police online speech, for lack of a better term? So so the, the government saying, hey, we think this information is wrong, you know, FYI. Um, that's one thing. Government telling someone, directing them to take something down is different. The way the laws work now, if if somebody is in violation of the 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 um, the consumer contract with the platform and the platform talks about what a, a, a user behavior is allowed and not allowed, then those are the terms by which they can deplatform and take people off. Right. It's very simple. I've gotten to the point where I think the platforms uh, should not have been carved out of Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act. Um, mm-hmm. They should have the same um, rules and regulations that uh, radio, television, uh, the you know the New York Times or the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal has to adhere to. Now that's a significant. That would require a significant change in, in law and legislation. But what's fascinating is the far left and the far right um, are actually kind of an agreement on this issue for completely different reasons. Um, but but having, you know, I think these social media platforms um, should be held to the same standard as traditional media. And I think that was a mistake um, when that decision was made long ago. Look, we can make the argument. And that's why one of the things in new technologies like AI, I say AI needs to follow the law. Let's not carve it out of anything um, because we've seen how we've made that mistake. It's not going to impact innovation. Um, but but again, um, I think it's, it's the platforms, as the law extends now, make it very clear um, what the user agreement is and um, adhere to the standards that they've articulated, um, and that should that, that should you know be the same for um, anybody, regardless of what their political their political leanings are. When you look ahead in twenty twenty four, and we get closer to November, how, how do you think platforms should be addressing the misinformation problem? You think you think Donald Trump has has the right to be back on the big social networks talking about election fraud? 
Um, well, look, if, if I, I don't think you should be talking about election fraud, but but guess what? Um, um, uh, yesterday, when he was in South Carolina, several cable networks um, were showing his speech when he was talking about how he didn't lose the election, right? And and so so you know this is a straight up lies, right? Like we can use fancy terms like misinformation and disinformation. Um, but, you know, a political, you know, is that considered political speech because it's coming from a politician? Um, look, I, I just think everybody needs to continue to say, hey, Donald Trump lost. You know, if you would add up in Michigan, what were the three, the three, the three um, states, Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania? If you would add up all the votes the Republican nominee for Congress got in those states and if Donald Trump would have gotten that, he would have won. Right. He, he underperformed with Republicans and that's why he lost. And so we just got to continue. I think people got to continue uh, to fact check him in real time that all these things were lies. Right. And and that's why the case um, in Georgia, his 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 indictment in Georgia um, is important. Um, I think we learned from the January 6th committee um, about, you know, uh, the, the realities of the ground. Um, so, so yeah, I, look, you know, is that a violation of their user agreements? You know, um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but, but guess what? Uh, the problem is not just the social platforms. Um, it's also traditional media and print media as well, too, that are letting Donald Trump propagate that lie. Mm. So, you know, in, in Washington today, there's, I think a lot of anxiety around, not trying to repeat the mistakes of the past around mm -hmm. the regulation of social media platforms. There's the sense that we allowed social media platforms to change our society, our politics, and that horse had bolted from the barn by the time Congress got around to even thinking about trying to do something about the problem. And so there's now this sense that on AI and these new dominant firms that there's this need to act very quickly, right? Uh, before you launched this campaign, you were on the board of OpenAI, mm -hmm. and you joined that board in May of 2021 before stepping down to launch this campaign. I'm wondering if you can talk a bit what you learned from that experience of being on the board. Sure, and and, and I would also add, I've been on advisory board for Palantir as well too, right? And you know their their use of artificial intelligence and, and as a company that I've known for. A really long time. Here's what I learned. Um, I thought I understood technology when I was in Congress. Right now, I always joke, be like the bar was really low, uh, so I I look like a genius compared to everybody else. Um, but 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 I, I thought I had an understanding. Um, I also, but but being in the private sector the last couple of years and being in investment banking and seeing companies that are coming forward, uh, looking for, for resources and funding where you get to look under the hood, um, you know, uh, we're not as far in advance as we always think we are. Right. And, and so it was, so, so I've learned the reality The the other thing I learned about AI specifically with open AI, it's a small company, small organization to do something that changed the world. And when we introduced ChatGPT on November 30th, it was a super low key re release. And part of it is because we're like, oh, this is not that interesting because we have we're working on way more interesting things. Right. And then the, the world blew up. Um, and so so what what I have learned is that 
we're going to get to artificial general intelligence, AGI, um, where you have an autonomous agent that can operate, um, smart, be smarter than most people on most economically viable work. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of, of things that are going to prevent that, um, compute power and actual power. And, and so, so we got to prepare for that eventuality. And um, the, the reality is um, people in this industry, whether it's, it's OpenAI, Google, Anthropic, Facebook, um, they want people to clarify what needs to be done. And, and so that's why I think it starts with something as simple as just codifying AI needs to follow the law. Meaning yeah. if you're a bank and you use AI and you, and you misapply it, right, to where you, it, it, it caused discrimination against your customers, the bank is responsible. But if the bank implements it, but the algorithm discriminates based on race, then it's the algorithm's fault and the developer of the algorithm, right? And and that's a pretty, um, that's a that's a, a liability issue uh, that we've carved software out of. That's why we have a cybersecurity industry, to be honest. And right. and so so um, um, so that's you know start with that, and then really powerful AI, and we can have a debate on what, what's powerful. You got to make sure um, it's 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 um, uh, you got to have a third party do some permitting process. Right. This weekend, I think you might have wrote about this um, this week, uh, not this weekend. When was Black Hat? A couple weeks ago um, when you had a bunch of red hat hackers or black hat, you know, white hat, white hat. I guess it'll be white hat, gray hat, maybe white hat hackers. Um, be white um, hat. Yeah, yeah be white hat, hat. Mm-hmm. Um, hackers uh, going after all the large LLMs. Um, and show, you know, how they were able to take advantage of it, right? Like third party testing, red team testing uh, should be a very uh, basic uh, thing that everybody is doing. And, and you should be having something like NIST, um, the National Institute for Standards and Technology, um, be able to pop the hood and make sure that kind of stuff was being done. Um, so, so, um, so yeah, I, 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 that, that experience was, was fantastic. Um, and, I, and, it, and it just confirms for me something that the technological change we're going to see in the next 30 years is going to make the last 30 years look like we're monkeys playing in the dirt with sticks. Yeah. Do you think the how do you think about the jobs question? Do you, do you think we're headed for kind of like an AI jobs apocalypse? No, because, look, AI is a tool. Right. And, and so so if we're afraid of using the tool, I, look, I, I, I criticized um, I think it was the, the city of New York, not the state of New York that banned um, uh, AI tools in the classroom last 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 year. And and guess what? They're dealing with an influx of immigrants in New York with languages that nobody knows. Hey, AI would have been able to help those teachers uh, work with those kids that had a narrow thing. And if you would have had a year to be working on this tool, you would be you'd be able to use it. So so will there be some creative destruction? Um, absolutely. Um, but making sure like it's going to start having us ask um, higher level questions. Right. I think you're going to see an influx of people needed in 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 biology and chemistry, like the fact that AI can help us map out um, proteins. Um, that's going to sh- that's going to see an increase in um, the amount of, of drugs and vaccines that can help cure diseases and help us live longer. So so I don't think um, look, um, everybody thought the going in the grocery store and, and checking your own ba- your, your own groceries was going to be like is going to lose uh, people in, in, in the grocery store. Guess what? They're they're still trying to hire people. They don't have enough people to hire. And so um, I, I think. 
um, net, it's going to be a net positive in- increase to our GDP and the ability to have jobs. But we got to make sure that people know how to use these tools, right? And we always talk about the digital divide. And usually you talk about the digital divide because of poor people or people that are in rural areas. <clears throat> now, and, and the digital divide question was always access to a device, access to infrastructure, access to know-how. Um, that access to know-how is going to be even more important now so people know how to use um, AI in, in their jobs because every job's going to be impacted in the next two or three years. When you look at the regulatory debate that's playing out in Congress, is there anything that you think is missing from that debate? Is there anything in particular that you think like Congress really needs to act on? Look, so just move this move, guys. Move, right? And 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 we can't allow so so Europe is about twelve to eighteen, maybe twenty-four months ahead of the United States when it comes to regulatory regimes around advanced technologies. Now, um GDP and, and GDPR is the, the best example of that. And and I would say GDPR ended up having the impact of being a global standard because so many people were already operating, right? Um when it comes to AI. Um, the, the, the markets are still, you know, they're still, the U S market is still hot, you know, still have opportunities there. So, so Europe making a move may just prevent some people from developing in Europe and you can potentially see a, a, an AI winter, um, in, in Europe because people might operate, they may not want to operate there. Right. Or just turn that, turn those options off. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so Congress needs to move. And that's why I say it's real simple. Uh, move on something to, 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 to say, hey, hey, I has to follow the law. Move on this notion of permitting. Um, make sure there's a plan within the federal government to be using these tools. It shouldn't take months for a veteran to schedule an appointment with the VA. It shouldn't take months for you to get your passport renewed. It should be done in minutes. Um, these are all things that AI can be helping with. And when it comes to the VA, they already have tools to, to help provide better services to the veterans. We should be There should be a six-month sprint within the federal government to say, hey, these tools are being used. And then when it comes to the national security you know, apparatus and military, hey, guys, you can't take four years to bring on a new weapon or a new tool, right? But there has to be some improvement um, and the military needs to be ready to fight the war of the future, not the war of the past. Um, and, you know, it is, it is, look, if we can't find an F-35, you know, after a pilot uh, bails out, you know, that's a little, yeah, that's a little concerning. Um, when you have the Chinese government putting satellites into space with a claw, um, you know, we need to be thinking through that. So, so anyway, so those are the things. Now I, I will say this, um, uh, some of the Senate hearings that I've, I've seen on the topic of AI, I've been um, I've been impressed um, with some of the questions and, and, and how it has been crazy. A lot of the questions have been around um, IP. Right. And yeah. and um, and that makes sense. Right. Look, creators should be benefited. Right. I I, I hope the resolution of the writer strike. Um, you know, I haven't looked into the details of the final, but like facial rights and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, making sure streamers and websites give people how know how many people are looking at your site. Um, you know, I, I, I think we can get that issue right. Um, but these these broader questions um, so, that, so that we can continue to grow is important. Mm. So when you were in Congress, you were one of the leading voices on cybersecurity issues. You helped pass several key pieces of legislation, including the Technology Modernization Fund, I'm mm-hmm. sure 
a favorite of among many of our listeners. Uh, how would you grade the work that the Biden administration is doing on cybersecurity? Look, this is this is why I always appreciate Skyviscoop, right? Y'all were y'all were following y'all were following all we're this in, stuff. I was you're in the weeds, and I always I always appreciated that. Look, look, I I, I would say, um, look, I, I I would give I would give the Biden administration high marks. When it comes to some of the like, you know, the countering some of the the um, ransomware and getting some of the money back. Right. Um, guess what? Cryptocurrency uh, is is not necessarily a, a, anonymous. Right. Like, you, you know how to find it. You know where it is. Um, and so some of those aggressive stances of, of retrieving some of the, the cryptocurrency that was used in, in these ransomwares, I, I think, is a is a positive effort 